Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. It was 1980 when Bill McClellan first joined the St. Louis Post-Dispatch as its night cops reporter. Three years later, he was promoted to columnist, and he's never looked back. For 36 years, McClellan has chronicled the city and its inhabitants and written the most insightful copy in the daily newspaper. McClellan took a buyout four years ago, but he's continued to write one column a week. And that schedule was interrupted earlier this year. He announced that after beating bile duct cancer and having colon cancer, quote, chopped out, the latter had spread to his lymph nodes. These days, he juggles semi-regular dispatches with chemotherapy. His columns remain terrific reading. Joining me in studio to talk about his remarkable newspaper career and his life is Bill McClellan. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Sarah. It's good to be here. Do you have a question or comment for Bill McClellan? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Bill, you've referred to the newspaper business many, many times over the years as the buggy whip industry. It's, sure. It's this idea that it's obsolete. Right. And two year, two weeks ago, the Post-Dispatch left its longtime headquarters for a much smaller building. Does this feel kind of like the beginning of the end? Well, it's, it was really strange to me, sir. I kind of feel like, on one hand, it's the enemy of the people still, public, still publishing from an undisclosed location because we're in a very nondescript building and the the old majestic post-dispatch building, we're, we're gone from there. But, you know, I, I don't think it's really the beginning of the end. I mean, there, there's still a need for a newspaper, and uh, the people working on it are still putting out uh, interesting stories all the time. So what do you think the future is for, say, a mid-sized city like St. Louis for a daily newspaper? Do you think we're going to continue to have that every day going forward? I, I hope so, but uh, but it scares me. I mean, I was just in Toledo to visit a friend, and I went to the uh, little store nearby to get a Toledo Blade, which was always a pretty good paper. They were, and, yeah. And the woman said to me, well, they don't come out every day. They're not. And, and I know there's more and more papers that uh, don't come out every day, so I'm, you know, th- thrilled that the Post-Dispatch still does, and I, and I hope it continues. But, you know, I'm not much of a seer. I'm surprised at everything that happens, shocked. So, so I don't know. Yeah. I read that you still have a desk in the new building. That's even though you're only doing one column every, <laughs> every week or two weeks or so. How'd you talk them into still keeping your workspace? Well, I, I don't know. I think that they just had some extra space. So they, you know, and, and I bring donuts in when I go in anymore to try to uh, earn my keep in any way I can. So, so it, it, it's fun. You know, I still have this thin veneer of being a reporter. I mean, it's getting thinner and thinner, admittedly, but but I can still call people up and say, why did you do this? Or I can still go to trials. And if I didn't have that very thin veneer of being a reporter, I'd just be another nosy old guy. So you wrote in March, um, at that point you wrote about the fact that the cancer had spread to your lymph nodes. Yes. And you made it sound at that point like you wouldn't be writing that much. But you know, you have been writing with, with some pretty great regularity here. Is this a matter of just not being able to quit having that that podium? Or is this something where you can't find anything better to do? Well, I think it's probably a combination of things. I mean, in the first place, I, I feel fine. So this is not a question of me, like, dragging out of the house. You know, I, I feel good. And in the second thing, it is such an addictive habit being able to spout off about stuff. You know, so if I didn't have that platform once a week, I'd probably be on the street corner yelling at people. 
going, hey, I, got, I have a thought I'd like to share with you. you know, so, so I've been doing it for so long, you know, as opposed to like my, my wife, Mary, who when she decided to retire as a dentist, she retired. You know, like a week after she retired, I said, hey, Mary, I have a toothache. And she said, call the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> she was she's able, not slipping in there with her right, tools. She was able to, to step away. And, and, and I, I find that more difficult. So you said you're still feeling good. That's even with the treatments that, that you're having to deal with. Right, right. Yes, I do. You know, the, the day or two after I've had chemo, I have it once every two weeks, I don't feel so hot. But, uh, but other than that? But other than that, I feel fine. And is that an indication that you're still doing well, or, or do they have they continue to have some fears here? Well, Sarah, I, I don't know. I feel, there, there's an old song from before your time about just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. And, and I feel like that's what I'm doing. Every two weeks I go to the hospital, see how I'm doing, and I always feel good. I mean, for, for a long time, I sort of thought that they'd open the folder and they'd go, wait a minute. You're William A. McClellan. This poor guy is William C. McClellan. The poor. But maybe there's a misdiagnosis there. Yeah, yes, I thought it's somebody else, maybe. Because I've, you know, pretty consistently felt well. So That's great. Yeah. So we've got a caller, actually. Um, it sounds like he might have something he wants to talk to you about. I think let's go to the phone lines. Um, Jerry from O'Fallon. Hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Good afternoon. Mr. McClellan and I have uh, spoken or corresponded over probably 20 years or more. Okay. Um, I don't you think he would remember just from that little tidbit. But I'm also a two-time cancer survivor. And uh, as I have uh, said to you many times, either uh, in person or in print, um, I've often thought that, you know, I know you could think that the newspaper is outmoded, uh, and to a certain extent, I think it is. More people want visual news or um, whatever. But I think when historians want to look at what was really going on in, you know, St. Louis from, you know, your tenure there or, you know, Chicago during the years of Mike Royko, that's where they'll get the real perspective because of people like you and, and, and uh, Mr. Royko and, and your powers of observa- observation and your ability to communicate that so well. You know, you often... Uh, take, you know, a single person story that has relevance to so many people. And uh, that's kind of the real story behind the headlines. And I, I've, 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 you're just a, a treasure. Well, hey, thank you very much, Jerry. You know, I've, I've often felt that like what I'm doing is sort of writing chapters of a big novel about St. Louis. You know, and, and each decade is a new chapter. And some of the characters come in and out, and there's new characters. And it, it's just fun. I mean, I, I've always thought that, and maybe it's just because I know it so well, but the St. Louis story is, is undertold. I mean, this is an interesting place. It sure is. Um, Jerry, thank you so much for that call. Um, For those of you listening, do you have a question or comment for Bill McClellan? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Bill, you were talking about this idea that um, it's sort of this great sprawling novel about St. Louis. Do you think this novel is a tragedy? Is this novel a comedy? Oh, I I would say that uh, the novel about St. Louis is kind of a dark comedy. But it, it there's heroic elements in it and there's 
disasters, and, and, and we seem to dwell on the disasters, and they come with pretty great regularity. They do but, seem to. You, you know, coming here from Phoenix, I thought that St. Louis just has more character than Phoenix. You know, Phoenix is just, uh, uh, and I enjoyed Phoenix. I loved Arizona. But the, the city, it's just, you know, new developments going out into the desert. They don't have so many old neighborhoods. And there was just this feeling about St. Louis that, it's like the old boxer hanging around the gym who could have been champion and fought in a couple big fights and still wants to talk about it. And, and the way people remember the past with such reverence, I just thought, there's character here. So you first came here because your wife was going to dental school at, at Wash U. Yes. And she's originally from Arizona? Well, well, she, she, was, uh, she grew up in Arizona. And uh, then when... I first met her, Mary was a dental hygienist. And then one day she decided she would become a dentist, but there's no dental school in Arizona. So she applied, uh, she was accepted at Georgetown and at Washington University. And she said to me, you know, which, which do you think? And I said, well, for me, you know, it would be, uh, if you went to Georgetown, I couldn't even get an interview at one of the Washington papers, you know, too many hot shots are there. I said, but St. Louis, you know, there's they got two dailies there. I could probably get on one. So she said, okay. So she came to uh, Washington University. And then uh, a couple years later, I followed her. You know, okay. we, got, we got married a, like a year and a half later. I quit my job in Phoenix and went down to Mexico for a bit just because I had always wanted to go live in a boarding house in Mexico. There was something about that that just sounded great. And, and I did, and it was great fun. And then I came back, and uh, Mary and I got married, and we mo I moved here. And did you have a sense at that point, um, yeah, I think I could spend the rest of my life in this town? Oh, no, no, not at all, Sarah. It, uh, our thinking was, you know, Mary was an Arizona person, a Western girl. And I had grown up in Chicago, so I had done the Midwest. So I think our feeling was that once she graduated from uh, school, we'd probably head west again. Maybe not Arizona, but I was thinking of Colorado. I had a friend who had a job on the Rocky Mountain News. But we, we got here, and by the time she graduated, I was night police reporter and having a blast. And uh, we liked St. Louis, to our surprise. So then uh, next, and then I, I was named columnist. And at that point, I mean, that's well, the kind of gig you can't just right. get. Right, I mean, I thought, my goodness. And, you know, so the next thing you know, we had children, bought a house. Uh, so it's like the old country western song, came into town for a one-night stand. Looks like my plan fell through. <laughs> so, so here we are all these many years later. So you've written a bit about your belief in alternate universes, this right. idea that maybe, you know, you could have taken this completely different path in life. Do you ever think, like, what if St. Louis had never, you'd never moved here? Like, what do you think you'd be doing? You think you'd still be in the newspaper business? Well, either that or I'd be a graduate student in my yeah, 60th <laughs> year or something. Because, I mean, the newspaper business was, has just been great for me and perfect. And, and I, I really think that when you look at the alternative universes, this particular one is probably as good as I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there might be a thousand others, but this one was probably the best one for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, you do seem like you've just had a blast. 
I, I, I have. And, you know, when the, the newspaper, writing a newspaper column has been interesting and fun. And then Martin Dugan starting Donnybrook, you know, what a blast that's been. So we heard from one of our uh, listeners on Twitter, uh, Umar, says, Ask Bill, at what point can he drop the Cubs and become a Cardinals fan? The optimism of Redbird Nation will add 10 years to his life. <laughs> is, is it time to finally well, start rooting well, for the home team here, Bill? Thank you, Umar. You know, I, I'm, I am a St. Louis Blues fan. You know, I mean, I, I like the Blues hockey team. But there's something about the baseball team that a child grows up with that it's hard to leave. Uh, you know, maybe there was magic in those transistors, you know, because I used to go to bed with a transistor radio, listening, listening to the Cubs and just loving them so fiercely. And I couldn't believe that they were always in last place because when I grew up, you know, they were eight team league and the Cubs, we would dream of like first division. You know, wow. Fourth place, you know, it seemed inconceivable. And I'd look at the roster and because I knew the Cubs. And I think, how could this team possibly not be the best team in the league? Surely they should be the world champions. Oh, my gosh. I was convinced of it. And then they finally did have their moment where the Cubs did really well. At that point, can't you just be like, I got everything I ever wanted. <laughs> I'm done. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I thought so. They, 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 that 2016 season was, uh, you know, who, who would have thought? Yeah, it was, and it was just the way an old Cub fan would want. The Cubs didn't sneak in as a wild card; they did it the old-fashioned way. They had the best record in the league, and then they won the World Series. That was a legitimate victory. Oh my gosh, absolutely! We're talking to Bill McClellan of the St. Louis Post Dispatch. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, ninety point seven KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation with Bill McClellan. Do you have a question or comment for Bill? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Bill, I know that you're not on Twitter. That is not something you're a big fan of. But every now and then I see Twitter positively erupt over one of your columns and not in a good way. People are livid about some turn of phrase or something in there. And I always always wonder, do you even hear about this outrage? Like, is this the tree falling in the forest that the columnist doesn't even yeah, yeah. realize I, I, has I'm, happened? I'm afraid that's the truth of it, Sarah. You know, I, now and then my, my daughter, Lorna, will, will mention a tweet, but, but she's very kind. So she, so she never tells me, Dad, you know, the Twitterverse doesn't like you. But she, she might say, uh, uh, well, she'll point out a story to me and say, this, this is on Twitter, Dad. You know, yeah. people are reacting to this. Like, oh, very interesting. But but no, I, I'm I, I'm not surprised that uh, you know, and I'm proud that I can even say Twitterverse. Yes. You know, I feel like you know the it, right it, term. Yes, it it shows how absolutely hip I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, but, you have just proved your bona fides here. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but but no, I, I don't follow it, and 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 I really don't have a, a desire to know that people are speaking poorly of me. You know, I mean. And I, I'm happy that they even would bother. That they're, they're reading what yeah, you say. Yeah, sure. Have you ever written a column that you've genuinely regretted? 
Oh, sure, sure, several times. I mean, I, I, I wrote four columns a week for years. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of chances to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, so there are things, and, and, and I would take things too casually that uh, people took seriously. I, and, and I can remember when the flight attendants went on strike at American, and you know, and I was not thinking. Uh, I didn't give it a lot of thought. And writing, I thought, well, I can write a column about this. So I wrote a column about how if the mechanics were on strike, I wouldn't even think about flying. But the flight attendants, you know, if they gave me a bottle of scotch instead of a bottle of whiskey, a little bit, I could live with that. I'm okay. You know, the, the flight attendants, let me oh, guess, did not like, like this well, column. You know, I'm, I mean, there were a number of things wrong with, with that column. I mean, one, you know, it, it, it certainly wasn't thoughtful. And two, you should never criticize people who are on strike because they got nothing else to do <laughs> than, than, than to call. So they did, and, and with righteous indignation. And, and I just said, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, that's, I don't, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Did that um, help them feel better when you, you were immediately like, yeah, I screwed up? Or did they continue to want to rant at you for oh, a bit? I think they were still angry. Yeah, I mean, it didn't solve the problem. Yeah, yeah they, they weren't willing to let me off that easily. So you mentioned the days when you used to write four columns a week. That is a yeah. tremendous burden for any columnist. Where would you go if you were stuck? You knew you had a column due. You didn't have a good idea. Did you have kind of some go-to device that, that you would use to, to come up with something? Well, I, I, I'd sometimes go with letters. You know, I would save negative letters. And if I had absolutely nothing to do, I'd just run those letters and I'd put little snippy little answers of myself. You know, like everybody's dream, you leave the party after somebody insults you, and then you think, I wish I would have said, well, I could do that. And so I'd take the, and if, and if somebody had a really good point, I wouldn't use their letter. But the, the, I mean, but, honestly, this kind of sounds a bit like Twitter, like you were doing the pre-Twitter thing where well, you could have may, arguments may, with may, people. May, and Maybe I should file some kind of lawsuit, Sarah. <laughs> Twitter has <laughs> stolen <laughs> your stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, like Zuckerberg or whoever it was. On, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. On, face, on Facebook, right? Yeah. I saw that movie. Yeah, so. the social but, network. But, but So, yeah, and, and I've, I've written other columns that, that later I've thought, oh, I probably shouldn't have written that. And any others that pop to mind is like, wow, that was that one was a huge mistake. I know at one point you kind of um, defended a guy who'd been um, a child, not a child molester, but he'd possessed child porn. That was certainly a controversial taker. At one point you said that you thought people who'd been veterans shouldn't necessarily get military funerals. Oh, my god! Did you gosh. live to regret that one? No, no, no. I, I, I believe that. that. But, uh, you know, my email and the paper's email just blew up because it, it went out on Fox and Friends, you know, that this— Oh, uh, liberal yeah. columnist doesn't think that. And, and really what it was, was a uh, musician I know had come to me and he'd lost his gig playing taps because they uh, w went to you know, some, a tape recording of taps to save money. So we talked about it and I thought, you know, I looked into it, how much the bugler costs and everything. And the, the cost for a full-fledged military funeral you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we, you know, we really don't need to do that. I mean, you know, we should let the VFW do that or the American Legion. And so I wrote a column that, you know, obviously if somebody is killed in, in service, mm -hmm. you know, then sure, they, they, their family deserves a big funeral and the community wants to show its support. But if some guy, you know, served in uh, Fort Leonard Wood in 1956 to 1958, 
do we really need a military funeral for his two years? I don't think so. You know, and, and I thought it was, you know, made sense. And while I was on it, I, I said, you know, and also this thing about calling everybody heroes. You know, well, you know, hardly anybody in the military is a hero. You know, I get sick of this. And, oh, and Fox, you know, leaped on that, too. And I... I and this controversy did reach you, it sounds like. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I thought I was, you know, right on it. It wasn't like I regretted any of it. And I got a call from... Uh, the Bill O'Reilly show saying, you know, would you be willing to come on the air and discuss it? I, sure. And they said, okay, we'll uh, send a car for you, you know, and go to the local Fox station. And I thought, geez, this is like a card game where, you know, if they want to send a car for you, yeah. you know, they, they, they... You're not getting out of there alive. Right, right. They, they figure they have you. And, uh, but I, I said, well, uh, you know, I'm busy. I, w- take me at the channel, at the public TV thing. I got to go in there anyway. It was a Thursday. So I did, and Laura Ingram was my inquisitor, oh. and and that was a real experience because I'm sitting there, Sarah, and I can't, you know, I, I'm looking at a camera, you know, I can't see them, and it was Laura Ingram and some army colonel, and they were all over me about, you know, my plan to save money by, and I, thought, I think it's a reasonable plan, you know, I think it's a good plan, and oh, Laura Ingram. She was saying, like, she brought up something with Planned Parenthood and said, you know, have, are you thinking about saving money by doing this, cutting the... I said, I don't think you know what I do, Laura. You know, I'm not going through the federal budget looking for things. Right. You know, I'm just a columnist. Yeah, you know, this kind of fell in my lap. Did you have to play the card of, I myself am a veteran? I would have no, played that no, just to get off the hook with Laura well, Ingram. Well, you know, I would have. I mean, I'd play any card. I, there's nothing beneath me. But they asked me before we went on. They said, uh, are you a veteran by any chance? And I said, I am. So they, and then they said, uh, what service? I said, I was in the Marine Corps. And so they decided to leave that alone. Okay. You know, and, and I thought later, I shouldn't have told them. Right. I, I should have said. You should have played that card. Yeah, I should have said, it doesn't matter. And then on the air. Right. So I, I am said, a Marine. Right. <laughs> said, said some, but, I, but I wasn't trying to, uh, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. We're talking to Bill McClellan, the longtime columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We did hear from a couple of of listeners here. Paul, one of our listeners, just sent us an email. He writes, St. Louis is a small-town city. I grew up here in the 60s, and so when I ask someone what their high school was, I'm looking for connections with people I might have known on the other side of town, not as an exclusionary thing to weed out strangers. What's Bill's take on this urban legend? This idea that St. Louisans always have to ask, where did you go to high school? What's your take on that? I like it. I like like it a lot, yeah. What do you like about it? Well, and I, I didn't go to high school here. You know, I went to high school, you know, public high school in Chicago. But I, I kind of like it, and I see where people are making connections and, and assumptions and everything. And I, and I think that, that's fine, and it's kind of out in the open. There's a lot of, about St. Louis that I, I enjoy. When I, shortly after I got here, Sarah, I went out to do an interview with some guy who just lost his job. And, you know, and I love to just talk to people and listen to them. And I said, well, tell me about yourself. And he said, well, you know, I grew up on the south side. He said, my parents were both potlers. He said, but I was not raised to think I was better than everybody else. And I thought, why would he even say that? You know, I mean, it didn't, you know, later I understood how magical the brewery was. Yeah, that a bottler but, might might get well, a, an I, but, And I can see where somebody whose parents were both union workers at the brewery would feel special. It was a magical kingdom. Yeah. But at the time, I thought, 
this is really strange. And, and there's all of these little nuances about St. Louis that I like. And, and I'm one of those people who, maybe because I didn't go here, I never take offense at somebody asking somebody else where they went to high school. Do you think being an outsider like that has allowed you to look at the city almost a little bit like an anthropologist? You're, you're very bemused by the St. Louis and St. Louisness. Well, that's a good, good, good point. I, I, it has given me a, a chance to have a little bit of the outsider's perspective. Mm-hmm. So, yes. That, Let's talk about something a little bit more serious. This also comes from a caller who um, gave up on getting through as we've just okay. been sitting here gabbing. Yeah. Uh, Michael in St. Louis called, and he was curious to hear your thoughts on airport privatization. This is obviously a big issue looming right now. They've got all these consultants studying. Should we lease the airport to a for-private concern? What do you think? Well, the the... People who I like, who seem to have given it a lot of thought, generally say no. I mean, the, the, the process is just too messed up with uh, Rex Singfield funding the consultants, and people. some people are only going to get paid if they find in favor of. I mean, you know, I'm not an expert on this at all, but mm-hmm. when I listen to people talking about it, it doesn't sound like a good idea to me. You seem very unimpressed in general with our our power structure. Your recent column, Life in the Banana Republic, I thought it was just terrific, but it was also so depressing. You're basically suggesting there's no one in charge in the St. Louis area who has any sort of moral authority. Do you think things have gotten worse on that front, or has that always been the case with our leadership here? Well, I... I, And I know you're only looking at 40 years. Yeah, yeah, unless something's going on that I don't get. I I mean, in the old days, when I was here... Uh, like you knew who owned the paper, that was Mr. Pulitzer, and you knew who owned the the brewery, that was Mr. Bush, and uh, Dunk Bauman ran the Globe, Bob Hyland, KMOX, and the politicians seemed to ha- have more authority. I mean, way back in 1917, the Spanish flu, the health commissioner said he's closing the taverns, closing the schools, and a few years ago, the fire chief wanted to change a day during the terrible heat of a few years ago, change a night, a day game to a night game. And people looked at him like, who do you think you are? Yeah. I mean, no one has that authority. And I don't know where it's gone. I, it, it, I, I feel like uh, in Harry Potter, the muggles, who were the people who the magic was going on all, all around them and they didn't get it. And I feel like maybe I'm a muggle. I mean, somebody has to have power around here, but I don't see who it is. I don't see any politician who has any leadership right now, and uh, well, well, I mean, maybe Tashara Jones, this, the treasurer. You the wrote a, a very admiring ma- column she, about she, her. The, the shadow she's mayor. The shadow mayor. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, maybe she has some. I mean, I think uh, Lyda Cruzen has been caught up in this better together and the airport privatization, and it's and it's hurt her in in the county. I mean, my, my gosh. You know, and and you Are you go not to a Jeff- fan of Sam Page? I mean, well, well I mean, he, you know, he's the unelected county executive, just like we have an unelected governor, the unelected attorney general. It's just a strange time for the whole area. Yeah, a lot of people who are running things who we did not put into these positions. It is weird, right? And I'm and I'm not sure with what authority they're running stuff. Um, we've got a couple more callers, and we're, we're sort of running short on time, but I think I'm going to go to the phone lines. Um, Ricky from University City. Hi, uh, you're on St. Louis on the air. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, I wanted to take issue with something Bill said in response to a question a little bit ago. He said, you know, uh, uh, I'll do, I'll say anything. There's nothing that's beneath me. And um, I've followed his career and read his stuff, and I think there are things that are beneath him. 
and that's to its to his credit. You think Bill was maybe being a little hard on himself with it, with that sort of self-deprecating well, 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 joke? You're very kind. I was kidding a little bit, Ricky, but but uh, there aren't too many things beneath me. I mean, you know, trying to fill the space four times a week. I mean, I'd you know I'd write things that I think, oh man, I don't know. But you're very nice to say that, Ricky, and I thank you. You've, you've never been a phony, and you've never sucked up to people with power or money, and. Uh, except when you've been joking around and have been misinterpreted, uh, you don't write anything that you don't believe. And Ricky, thank you so much for thank that you. call. That that actually is a great compliment. I can see on Bill's face that he's well, he's kind of touched. I, I, I am. That, you know, especially when, when somebody says, uh, there are things beneath you. It's a great compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is a nice compliment. Um, let's take one more call. Um, Chris, from calling from South City. Um, Chris, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. How you, how you doing? And I just I just want to a story about Bill just that speaks to his genuineness and how he writes what he knows. I've uh, been reading him a long time. And, you know, many years ago when his kids were young, you know, he would occasionally mention how one was a Cub fan, one was a Cardinal fan. And yeah. I don't know, quite a few years ago, before a Cardinal game, Bush, too, walked through the concourse before the game. And I see somebody walk towards me, and I told my, my friend, I said, well, it's like Bill McClellan comes away. On one, one hand is... A little boy with a cardinal, a cardinal's head to toe. The other on the left is a girl with cubs head to toe. And I said, sure enough, walked up. I said, Bill, you don't have to, I thought you were making that up. But sure enough, it's true. And then many years later, at the uh, dedication of the Chuck Berry statue, I turn around and, and there's old Bill standing there. And uh, I, I turn around and reintroduce myself. And I think I may have relayed that story. And he looked to the, the young man standing to the right of him, towering over, and he goes, well, here's the Cardinal fan. <laughs> He'd grown up. Yeah. Chris, thank you. Enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you so much for that call. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, my, my daughter is, a, is is still a big Cub fan and my son a Cardinal fan. You just can't raise a little boy in St. Louis to be a Cub fan. Yeah. You know, just turned against me. It's interesting, though, that your daughter, I guess she she followed in your footsteps on that. Well, well she didn't have the peer pressure. You yeah. know, I mean, her friends, the little girls, they weren't, uh, you know, crazy Cardinal fans, but the little boys are crazy Cardinal fans, and, and my son was with his pals. Um, we're pretty much out of time here, but we did get an email I want to read. Uh, this is from Denise. She says, I still have the physical St. Louis Post-Dispatch delivered on Sundays, and I read it throughout the week online. I have enjoyed reading Bill's column for many years. I appreciate his in-depth presentation of regular people and their experiences. Although I may not always agree, and I do more often than not, I look forward to viewing our local issues from your perspective. She adds, I am very glad to hear that you are feeling well. And Bill, I'm actually really glad to hear that too. Well, so thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us hey, my today. my pleasure. Thank and you, everybody for listening. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.